Hello there, hello there, what's up? How are you today? How are you? Today we're going to talk about children and what to do when they feel bored. You know, I'm listening to the, the screams, Mom, Dad, I'm bored. And what makes matters worse? Mom, I need my screams. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about this today because it's something that resonates a lot with me and my husband. And it's noticing and hearing that our children are bored and having a sensation of being completely lost. It's, it's almost like a fatal feeling because when we finally start working or take a break from it, we feel a dagger in our chest because we perceive or hear that our children simply don't know what to do with their free time. And you'll probably laugh at what I'm going to tell you, but my brother was very active when he was a very little boy and he used to complain that he was bored all the time. I don't think now that I have learned and I have been working with emotional intelligence and mindfulness and therapy, etc., I don't think he could stand himself, to be honest. But, you know, I perfectly remember him saying things like, Mom, please, I'm bored. Give me a sandwich. Give me something. As if my poor mother could feel the emptiness he felt inside. My mother was totally used to this, so she told him to run around the house, to go to the corner to see if it was raining, and if it was raining, she asked my brother to put on a raincoat and run in the rain for a while. And this is true, I promise, and my brother always, always followed her instructions. Uh, the ones like me who grew up in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, that is to say before you know, the massive use of screens, had no alternative but to seek fun in books, toys, and in our imaginary worlds. And of course it goes without saying that there have always been bored kids. Because, you know, sometimes we think that bored kids, you know, were born now. No, no, there have always been bored children. But what I'm not sure of is whether parents, the parents of the past, worried as much as we do when we see that our children don't have anything to do or are entertaining themselves with the screens. When I listen to other parents' experiences, I feel completely identified. As I told you, I'm a mother myself. I know how it feels. Because on the one hand, we cannot deny that we live in a digital era with digital entertainment, which is very fast and very overstimulating. But on the other hand, we worry that our children won't have fun with anything that doesn't include a computer, video games or mobile phones. And this situation hurts and puzzles us. And so what do we do? We run to give our children something to do or to help them get out of the digital labyrinth we feel they are trapped in. And what do you, what do we do? We say things like, let's go to the beach, or if we don't have a beach, let's go to the park. Uh, let's have an ice cream. Would you like to go for a bike ride? Why don't we invite a friend? But the challenge starts when we cannot play or go out because we have a long to-do list from work, you know? So we start to feel uncomfortable. No wonder, really, we fill our children with extracurricular activities or vacation camps. 
And honestly, this is wonderful if our children like it. But what happens when they don't? Like my children, my children like sleeping in. They hate vacation camps. What happens when they feel tired from school tasks or, you know, school hours and all they want to do is relax during their vacations? And what I'm going to say might sound harsh. Sorry about that. But for me, the problem is us, the adults who can't stand seeing that our children are bored or that they don't have things to do. And to make matters worse, we fade being forced to let them turn to their screens. Because sometimes we have so much to do that we just shut our eyes and we pretend we are not noticing they are, you know, with their mobiles or playstations, etc. So when we rush to entertain our children, our children miss the opportunity of creating ways to have a good time in their free time. We need to pause to connect with ourselves. We need free time to contact our deepest desires and to be mindful. If we spend all day from here to there, it's most likely we won't discover what we really like and want. Now let me ask you, if that is so clear to us, the adults, why can't we bear that our children might need some idle time to figure out what they want? And I think that many times it distresses us to see our children like that because we are the ones who are afraid of slowing down to think, to reflect and to ask ourselves about the meaning of our life and if we are living it well. We project our discomfort onto our kids. We think things like, it's such a beautiful time in a person's life and my kids are not enjoying it. But how are we spending our vital moment in life? We think they should be enjoying life, doing many things. What are we doing to enjoy life? So what do we do? We project our own discomfort with our time in life. Psychologist and coach Sherry Paul, who helps me a lot, says, it's allowing ourselves to be with those uncomfortable micro moments instead of running from them that shifts how we walk through life. There comes a turning point when we, as parents, must learn to tolerate our own discomfort around our child's discomfort so that we can allow them to learn. How profound, how beautiful. And of course, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I don't want you to think that it's all negative. First, let's remember that children have a lot of inner resources. How many times have we sat at the pediatrician's waiting room only to witness how children manage to have the best time possible? They talk, they investigate, they ask questions, they invent games, they drink water well. 1,000 times. They read magazines and they simply find what to do because they have no other choice. In addition, if we perceive that our children are bored, it's a great opportunity to take a few minutes to talk with them, just a few minutes, and ask them how they feel, what motivates them, what they dream about, what their friends are like, and so on and so forth. And get ready for those talks because children and teens tend to be 
extremists. And in these conversations, they say things like, I'd like to play with a friend, but there is no one available. Or I'd like to read a book, but I've already read all of them. Or if I don't play online, I have nothing to do. So this is when you have to help them question those absolute ideas and ask them, really? Is it really so? I'm curious. Tell me more about that. And little by little, you can guide them out of that state of mind when everything they see is black or white. And I talk a lot about this with parents and, and they tell me that when they talk with their children, they end up feeling irritated and they burst saying, there must be a friend, there must be a book, there must be a game. How come you don't have anything? I understand parents. I'm a mother myself, like I told you. And I also feel like seeing the same. But even if our intentions are good, you know, when we say there must be something, our children can feel judged and dismissed. And children don't like to feel that we are a know-it-all person. So let's think about that. So we need to have them on our side, right? And this is not just a question of a strategy, but it's a very compassionate outlook on how we can relate to them. So what can we do and, and what can we turn to? First, self-compassion can help us a lot to stop perfect parenthood parameters, which by the way don't exist, and to discover ourselves as humans doing our best in this incredible and challenging task of parenting our children. And second, self-compassion can assist our children to treat and view themselves with more tenderness and patience. Because like my brother, many times they don't stand themselves. So we need to, to help them. And another tool that I learned from neuroscientist Rick Hansen is to help children think about how their life is and how wonderful it is, how wonderful they are. And what wonderful experiences they have, and to help them let those feelings sink in. Because, as Rick Hansen always emphasizes, we are like Teflon for good experiences and like Velcro for bad ones. So we need to train our children from the time they are very young because we want them to be as emotionally intelligent as possible. A child who feels good about himself or herself is much more resilient in the face of challenges than a child who doesn't feel good about himself or herself. And I think this is the most important thing I'm going to say today. And I'm highlighting, you know, what I'm about to say. I want to say this slowly. Our children need to be seen. They need to feel that they belong to our tribe and to know that they have our company, understanding and unconditional support. Please let that sink in too. Many times, there's something even deeper behind our kids' boredom. They feel they are bored, we perceive they are bored, but sometimes there's something beyond that or deeper than that. And they might probably feel alone. They might probably feel disconnected from their loved ones. If they see we are very busy, if they see they don't know what to do, they might feel lonely. And that is why if we stuff them with ideas to entertain them, we are covering up their emotions and we are underestimating their ability sorry, to discover themselves, express themselves and self-manage. 
And we also miss the chance to be with them, to just be with them and soothe them with a hug and some warm and beautiful words. And to round off, I'd like to say something else. That a little time with nothing to do is always healthy. Creative people need time to do nothing. And second, some innocent time with screens isn't a cause for concern at all. Are your children sleeping well? Are they, you know, behaving well? Do they relate happily with children when they have a chance to be with them? Do they treat you well? So there's no reason for you to worry. And finally, we can always be very busy. But we always have the possibility of saying, and this is something I practice a lot, of saying something like, you know, mommy's very busy today, but tell me what you'd like us to do when I'm done with work. And they come up with the best ideas. It's wonderful. And also they feel more relaxed because first they know you are there. Second, they know you are cheering on them. And third, if they are really like having some idle time for themselves, they feel okay because they know that at say six or five, they're going to go out with you. It's very soothing for them. It's a soothing feeling. So I hope this blog brings you some peace of mind. If you are interested in the topic of screens, I recommend the book Parenting for a Digital Future, How Hopes and Fears About Technology Shape Children's Lives. It was written by researchers Sonia Livingstone and Alicia Blum-Ross. Um, if you want to um, jot down the name and, and authors, uh, you can always find those uh, in the written version of this. And as I always like saying, if you know someone who needs to listen to this podcast or read this blog, invite them to subscribe. Because in that way, we are building bridges to help one another. It's our grain of sand that can help another person. So, and also, you know, the blog and the web, uh, this website is full of free material and resources. You can always browse to listen to the things you need to listen to. For the time being, I'm sending you a big hug. I hope you feel it. It's a very tight, beautiful hug. And see you next week.